If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas. Uh, we hope you enjoyed a nice holiday. I, we know most of the country was under <laughs> severe weather. Jesus, yeah. Whether it was snow or cold, whatnot, we're just glad that we were inside. Um, unfortunately, we had a pipe burst in the basement. Oh, dang. Yeah, yes, sometime yesterday it happened because we went downstairs, mom went downstairs for something and she started making all this noise and there was water near all over the basement, almost in the second room. Wow. So having people come out to look at it tomorrow, but we have the water off, so. Yeah, that's horrible. That happened to us a while ago. Um, it kind of same situation. It was actually in the summer, uh, uh-huh. and the pipe leading outside for our hose had frozen in the winter. And for the first time, I turned it on to try to use it, and boom, just all this water. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ours, we believe it happened up on the wall because there's uh, a hole on the wall near the window, and like yeah. the way it sprayed, it got the chairs and seeped near near into the furnace room. It didn't hit the furnace, but it went that far. So right now it's just carpet, but we're hopefully having someone come tomorrow to fix that all up, hopefully. Yeah, it's amazing what they can do. And yeah. The, uh, yeah. How they fix that stuff. So. Mm, hopefully it's not too much. Right. Um, but in other news, let's get into our headlines. And we're going to sort of recap some of the our favorite and least favorite headlines of the year. So um, we'll just start with this one first off, since this has sort of been lasting for the past two years. This week, and we finally got a verdict in uh, the state versus Daystar Peterson, a.k.a. Tory Lanes for allegedly shooting Megan P, a.k.a. Megan Thee Stallion back in 2020. And um, he was found guilty on all three counts. So um, it never was any doubt that he shot her. He said she did it. Her friend said she did it. Witnesses said he did it. But the past two years, she's tried to gaslight and had a campaign to smear her and all these other things to make it seem that he didn't do it. But jury of peers found him guilty and he could face up to 23 years as well as uh deportation back to canada yeah that's nuts um and i haven't i've not been on twitter much this weekend but just the kind of uh i don't know how the, the whole animosity towards meg this from people is it's kind of hard to fathom it's like she was shot what's like what i'm so confused exactly it people really do not care for black women like no no when it comes down to it the way she's been treated the way they try to shame her because allegedly her and tori had you know a sexual relationship the way they tried to say that she lied here and there um, even after people calling this one of the myth, greatest miscarriages of justice in the history, it's like, no, yeah, it's like, well, 
yeah, that's insane. And um, we under we I did see a lot of stuff. And what gets me is that these people online think that they're one journalists and two uh, lawyers. Like mm-hmm. you, you watch episodes of shows does not make you a lawyer. Like stop. Exactly. Someone literally tweeted. I learned all my law stuff from Annalise Keating. Yeah, see. And someone was like, you know, that's a fictional character, correct? Exactly. It's like, come on. That's, that's well, not good. We, I'm wishing the best for Megan in the new year. Just, you know, rest a bit because she's been through a lot. Yeah, and best of luck to Daystar. Just do better. Uh, what other headlines were there that kind of stood out to you this past year? Um, I had quite a few, not a, not like big, big ones. I think one that was an, another insane thing, and this year has been so crazy, I think it was this year, but the whole Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard thing was a huge yeah um, uh, headline. And it, it was very similar situation to what we're just talking about, just kind of the internet completely went against her in that situation and so yeah it's, it was all bad but yeah and what's odd is people were saying that commenting on how like social media was sort of propagating these articles siding with Johnny Depp or they were seeing articles on the trial itself and they weren't trying to follow it but it seems like there was some type of campaign in support of him right by you know right wing proponents or something um but yeah that was another case in which clearly they both were mutually abusive to one another it was not a good relationship and he was charged in the uk but and then but he was able to say that she was lying but how do you get charged with false like it doesn't make sense yeah no it, it was it was all bad and recently, she just had to settle with him. I think she was trying to appeal or sue him, and they came to an agreement, I guess. So um, that's definitely a woman whose career is now ruined because people smeared her name through the mud right. that whole entire trial. It was disgusting. And in both of these cases with Tory Lanez and Johnny Depp, I didn't know Johnny Depp had fans like that big enough to have like stands on twitter and then i can't name you a tory lane song like i can't exactly people are pointing out how he did not become famous until after he shot megan like they were championing against a black woman it's it's very strange and donnie Depp was of course he's beloved by film critics and film enthusiasts but he hadn't made a good film in forever like no 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 so yes, yeah, so it was the the industry is is definitely still steeped in misogyny and misogynoir, and five years removed from me too, not much has changed. Like maybe, maybe on a lower level with like some executives here and there, but like on a major level, it's yeah. the same kind of stuff. Oh, uh, another one for me was clearly this Warner Brothers and Discovery merger. Uh, yes, yeah. because it's fucking everything up. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's doing. Um, at first, you know, it's 
it did sound a little perplexing that these two large entities would come together. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, as long as, you know, HBO stays HBO and we get a, a crevice of true crime, whatever discoveries bring, that's fine. But since April, it's been nothing but cut, 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 cut to the to the HBO Max um, platform. And a lot of creators have lost their series. A lot of series have been canceled. And it's all because they need to, to pinch money. Which I know they are a business at the end of the day. Right, right, right. But in a lot of instances, it's always the underrepresented creators, marginalized voices that are getting cut, that get dumped off. Um, and a, an alarming sign of that was when they tried to cut the writers and directors um, pipeline program that they've had for the past 40 years. Right. And they all of a sudden made a U-turn and reinstalled it as some other program um, to save face. But it's it was just clear that, you know, this this was a sign of that the streaming wars have kind of hit a plateau. Um, and it will never be the same as it was before. You know, early on, when it just was Netflix, these streaming services were places where um, niche content and, you know, beginning creatives could get their their content out that wouldn't make right. a broadcast or a large network. Um, but now streaming services are the new cash cow. So everything has to look and feel like mainstream. They've got to get the subscribers. they got to get the views. So everything's going to be looking the same eventually. Right. So it's definitely a different a different TV landscape, even even in in the streaming era, we've hit yeah. level. It's kind of insane. Uh, anything else on your list? Um, trying to think. I just stuff that we don't really have to go in depth to, but I feel like I put like the slap and just Kanye's whatever's happening with him. Just kind of like those yeah. moments. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, like. Interestingly enough, two successful Black men in the industry for a long time. Yeah. Um, kind of at, at the end of the different spectrums. You know, Will Smith has sort of catered his career to being the good guy and right. one of the industry's leading men that just happens to be Black. And then Kanye has sort of crafted his career as sort of like the courteous asshole but you know given his mental illness it's become a bit more severe and it's just interesting how they're they're moving in the industry and it's always a reminder just how no matter how high they get or seem to you know ascend there's still very much a black man in this country and black man in this industry you know exactly Smith, you know, is coming back, of course. His career was never in jeopardy. But the way certain voices in the industry were just appalled at his actions and were calling for severe repercussions was all racially motivated. Yeah, it was insane. It was it went on way longer than it should have. <laughs> mm -hmm. And on the flip side, Kanye gets to sort of vehemently just egg on and on and on. Yeah, and because he is such a cash cow, 
companies wait till the zenth hour to actually, you know, dismiss him or take action or whatnot, and he just gets blown over. So very interesting indeed. Well, hopefully 2023 is better in a way. I don't know. Jesus. I hope so. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm sure it'll be a lot more of the same old same old with a twist. Um continue on in box box office news. Uh of course this weekend was a little poor. The weather was not great. Yeah. Um Avatar took the top spot. Not with a lot, but I think globally maybe at like four hundred million now or something like that. Yeah. Um, but but surprisingly enough, uh, the film Babylon <laughs> grossed five million dollars across the Friday weekend. Yeah, I've heard kind of up and down reviews of that. Some good, some bad. So yeah, I really wasn't sure what the movie was about. I guess it's about 1920s Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. Um, And the cast is pretty much stacked. This is the film from Damon uh, Chazelle. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> the director of La La Land. So this yeah. is the film following that. <laughs> It stars Margaret Robbie, Brad Pitt, Toby McGuire, Diego Calva, Olivia Wilde, a bunch of people. Gene Smart's in it, like crazy amount of people. I just don't know what the plot is. Yeah. It's just about yeah. 1920s Hollywood. Yeah, that's all I've gathered as well. Um, but the yeah, it's it has a stat cast, but people say it's a little too ambitious. Um, also, it's three plus hours, so yeah. I don't know if anyone wanted to see that, but um, I'm sure it it landed here because it was chasing, you know, the um, Oscar race. So we'll see if any of these actors turn up in that in the nomination conversation, but who knows? Yeah. Um, and finally, um, in the obits, we said goodbye to Tom Bell, one of the producers behind the great sound of Philadelphia. So he worked with R&B soul acts such as the Stylistics. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, my throat here. Um, who else? Just a lot of artists. This, the sound of Philadelphia itself, that group. Um he was he was a a great producer when you when his name comes to mind around the same as you know um Barry Gordy at Motown like this right, would right. be another rival uh sound that was going against Motown at that at that time he was 79 years old but um he had produced hits for the spinners I'll be around um backstabbers for the OJs uh, just an array of artists he worked with, the Delphonics, um, Johnny Mathis, Denise Williams, just a pillar um, in Black music at the time. So definitely a loss um, for the music industry. And those are our headlines. We'll get right to our feature presentation.
So this week we are counting down our favorite TV and films of 2022. It's our top 10 where we list five TV shows and five movies that we thought stood out this year and maybe mention some underrated projects or some of the worst things we watched. <laughs> so yes. um, is there a particular category you want to start with? Um, what do you mean? Just like oh, oh shows, shows or films. Uh, we can start with shows. That's what I have listed first, so we'll go that way. Okay, cool. So let's go with shows. Um, first off, were there any shows that you felt were uh the worst this year? Either you didn't um, finish or you finished and felt that it sort of underserved. Yes, uh, just I have one, and that is, is so I have one show that was underrated, one show that was just not good, and the one show that wasn't good was Irma Vet. This was on HBO. And I guess it was, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, supposed to be a play on the actual movie movie of Irma Vep. And this was like a behind the scenes and the directors making a newer version of it. It was very strange. It started for um, Alessia Vikander. And while it started off interesting enough, it just, it just didn't hit, at least not for me. At no point did it like stick. So hmm. um, yeah. And then a show that I thought was very good, but I don't think many people watch <laughs> PBS Masterpiece was a show called Magpie Murders. And this was a really interesting kind of fun mystery uh, uh, novel type thing. Um, it's hard to put into words what the show is about. But anyway, it starred uh, Leslie Manville, who I think a lot of people will probably recognize from Phantom Thread. And um, I know she's been in other stuff, but probably more stuff across the pond. But anyways, it's really good, kind of lighthearted stuff to watch. And um, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, an underrated show, I think a lot of people may have missed, but I really enjoyed was Who Was This Fool? Uh, mm. It's a comedy starring a new, com not a new comedian, but upcoming comedian, Chris. Let me make sure I get his name right. I think it's Estrada. Yeah, I think so. Yes, Chris Estrada. Um, it's just basically about him working at a sort of a felon reform, non-for-profit, and his cousin gets out of jail and has to live with him and his mother, and he goes to this program just about their life. It, it was really funny. Um, it got renewed for a second season, so. Okay. That's on Hulu. And then something I didn't like also on Hulu was um the series candy that was based on um the true life story of candy montgomery that starred jessica Beale. it oh okay it was interesting yeah i think it tried a bit too hard to be i don't know what the word is sort of like different i guess in the way it was shot and acted um I've never seen it but I definitely felt it tried to go like the center route like it's very dour and sort right. of um I don't know just kind of awkwardly subversive but not melodramatic it 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 did it a bit to a point where it got a little boring so to speak yeah. um and ironically enough next year we'll see that story retold again 
on HBO Max. So it'll be interesting to see how the different takes on that story, how they presented them. But yeah. Okay. So let's get into our number fives here. Uh, what's your number five favorite show? Um, My number five was, uh, and this was tough to make a, a top five, but um, I put We Own the City. And I, if I'm not mistaken, that was this year is so messed up for me. But I feel like this was in the summer that this came on, either the summer or like. Yeah, I believe it drops in April. If I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah, so this is a series about the Baltimore Police Department. It starred John Berthnow, um, Jamie Hector. Uh, uh, who else can I remember? Oh, I can never pronounce her name. Like, isn't it Wumi mm. Mosaku? Yeah, yeah, and just kind of. Just told the story about the corrupt Boston Police Department over a span of years and uh, different cases followed different officers and it was really interesting and really good and we both watched it so it's not like I'm describing it to you or like I need to but um, yeah it kind of caught me by surprise and it's a quick little series too I think it's just six episodes of that so yeah yeah that was a standout this year a lot of people I think went under the radar just because there's so much I mean there's so much TV right you know, there's so much true crime that it gets a little mixed up. I think this is one of the better true crime yeah. series, definitely. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like melodramatized or anything like that, but it definitely speaks to a larger issue within our country. My number five was uh, FX on Hulu's The Bear. Mm, okay. This was a series that starred Jeremy Allen White as a uh, uh, a uh, classically trained chef who returns home to Chicago after his brother's death. And he's been charged with taking over his uh, pork sandwich restaurant. And he's, it just explores him trying to keep the restaurant afloat among the different uh, characters that work there, um, as well as trying to stay afloat himself with the grief of losing his brother and other trauma he experienced. Uh, when he was away in school so it's really good really short I think it's eight episodes or something like that half hour yeah. it's definitely a dramedy yeah it's very interesting that anything that's a half hour is instantly dubbed a comedy <laughs> yeah that's a good point yeah of the tv academy so but it's it's very good so definitely check that out if you can uh, number four yeah, number four for me, I put House of the Dragon. Uh, this was, a, I guess, a prequel to the um, Game of Thrones series. And as somebody that hadn't watched Game of Thrones, this was very, very good. Uh, a lot of people were skeptical. I, like I said, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I just kind of went in with a clean slate. And I enjoyed it. Characters were good. Stories were good. The acting was good. Um, costume set design, stuff like that. It was very enthralling you really wanted to get to the next episode after an episode finished so yeah I was very fond of that this year all right same here I really really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to season two my number four was Reservation Dogs another series mm -hmm. um, over at Hulu uh, follows four teenagers living on a reservation in Oklahoma and again, a common theme seems to be with a lot of shows is just grief and loss and 
these four friends yeah. lost a best friend to uh, suicide, and they they decided that they need to escape the reservation for the West Coast in California. And this season sees them sort of like uh, grow personally um, as they sort of see their friendship group kind of change. Everyone take different routes. You see sort of like their stories independently of each other. It's a, another really good season. Um, many say a perfect season of television. Um, and the ending could have been a series finale. It was that good, but it has been renewed for a third season. So I'm excited to see what comes next. Uh, I was not nominated for any Emmys this year, though. So hopefully next year, because it deserves. Right. Our number three. Number three. For me, number three, I put The White Lotus. Um, just took television by storm just like it did television Twitter television by storm just like it did with its first season and um I, I don't know the writing on this is just you think you know what's going to happen and you think you know what direction it's going to go but you don't because once it gets started you're just like like what mm-hmm. um but it's it's fun it's kind of poignant still and still hits at topics that need to be talked about and just explored rather kind of class and money and different things but it doesn't in a funny way you know and and differently than it did the first season but um yeah some great performances of course from Aubrey Plaza and Jennifer Coolidge and everybody in the cast really but yeah it was a really really enjoyable show this year all right yeah as someone who didn't watch season one I did enjoy season two uh the performances and the commentary, you know, in the subtext was really good. Yeah. My number three was Apple TV's Severance. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a show from I think first time creator Eric Dickerson is that his name. I'm not sure I get his name right. Okay, I can't find it. But it's produced by Ben Stiller and directed by him as well. A few episodes, including the exceptional season finale um but it stars adam scott who is again a man grieving the loss of his wife who decides to work for the new tech company lumen industries and they devise a product that uh, is surgically implanted to your brain so that for eight hours of the day at work you have no recollection of your work of your life outside of work and once you clock out, you have no recollection of your side of your life at work. So it's supposed to reach the perfect work-life balance. But of course, um, things go awry as Adam Scott's character unravels the conspiracy and the truth behind Lumen Industries. So <clears throat> exceptional first season. Um, great supporting cast. Definitely get into it. Uh, it's been renewed for a second season. I think they're in production right now. So, all right. Um, okay, so number two now, right? Yes. So my number two is Reservation Dogs, <laughs> and oh. uh, pretty much for all the same reasons that you just listed. Just a really, really good show. Um, how they're able to mix in just kind of. Uh, like you said, the the messages on grief and um, 
friendship and just living where they live and dealing with your circumstances. And I think one of the best episodes of television this year is that episode where um, one of his grandmothers passing away. That yeah. whole episode was just insane, just super, super strong. And uh, one of the best episodes in television this year, last year, in, in a while. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really well done. Yeah, I agree. That episode was incredible. The, the show really does not miss. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Yeah. My number two was AMC's Interview with a Vampire. Mm, okay. This uh, was AMC's uh, adaptation of Anne Rice's novel and book series about vampires in, um, excuse me, in um, 18th century America. Yeah. But it's been flipped as, you know, the film adaptation, and I believe the book, uh, followed a uh, plantation owner that becomes a vampire. This one followed a black man who runs a brothel and becomes a vampire uh, and falls in love with his creator, whatnot. Um, exceptional series performances from Jacob Anderson and Sam Reed as the two leads was really good, and the show did a wonderful way of talking about. Um, this lead character's life as a black man and then as a queer black man at that time, how he's hiding doubly in plain sight. And then as a vampire, you see all those subtexts together. It was really good um, and has been renewed for a second season. So hopefully it comes sooner than later because it's, yeah. it's an exceptional series. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what is your number one? All right, number one, and this was the third and final season, but the next, the Netflix series, Jesus, hold on, Dairy Girls wrapped up this year. Um, it wrapped up in the UK way earlier, and then a few months later, I, I want to say September here, it finished. And um, the show takes place in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, and it's about a group of teenage girls and one guy and just how they deal with it and kind of a hodgepodge group of people but it, I don't know it's so funny to me it's just the humor is so so good and um, this is just a great way to end it they kind of the conflict ends they go their separate ways but remain friends and whatnot so yeah it was it was very good I enjoyed it a lot yeah, I heard a lot about Dairy Girls like the different podcasts I listen to they mentioned uh -huh. it in their favorite shows it's so it's so funny it's so uh, it's perfect for 30 minutes, but yeah, you kind of wish it were longer, but it, it's very good. Okay, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. My number one is Andor. Yes. This was the Disney Plus series, Star Wars show, um, based on the movie Rogue One that starred Diego Luna. And it's really the first time I think Star Wars has ever explored how crippling the empire actually is for those that aren't named Skywalker and don't have Jedi powers, you know, just regular people, the lives that, you know, are forever changed by the empire's fascism and sort of uh, cruel rule. Um, you follow 
uh, Diego Luna's casting Andor as he sort of begins his journey to where he is in Rogue One as a member of the Rebellion. Uh, if you enjoy like political dramas um, and spy thrillers, it's like the Americans and House of Cards in the Star Wars galaxy. Okay. So it's very grounded, uh, great performances by the uh, actors and whatnot. So if you get a chance, definitely check it out. I think season two is expected to come either end of 2023 or early 2024. Um, it's only two seasons, so. Yeah, I've only heard good things about it, so. Yeah, it's, I mean, we all know of Star Wars, but I've never really followed that um, closely. But it's definitely, it 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 doesn't feel like a Star Wars show, and that's why it's so so great. It's something totally different. But I think that a lot of people can uh, relate more to. All right, switching gear, switching gears from our top uh, TV shows. Let's get into our top five films. Uh, but first, were there any underrated movies or worst movies you wanted to uh, mention? Okay, um, I've got. I'll go through these very quickly, but I have five movies that didn't do it for me. Don't worry, darling. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Crimes of the Future was was all right, but just didn't. I didn't get the hype. It was it was okay, but not not for me. Um, Barbarian that was on HBO Max. I think mm -hmm. it, was, it was a horror film. It was all right, but I once again same thing. Just kind of like didn't get the hype. And the last one was very very unfortunate because I've talked about this show so much on here. But this year, Bob's Burgers came out with the movie, and it was while it was like entertaining and fun. It was just like it felt like something they just wanted to do, which is absolutely fine. But right, just story, people. yeah, the story was not was not there. It didn't feel very Bob's Burgers to me. So yeah, okay, gotcha. Mom, my end. Um, I think I had three worse. Uh, Netflix is the Gray Man. Which everyone, oh, God, yeah. up. Uh, another one from the Russo brothers that just seemed like an actiony mess. It it was trying to be something and just didn't meet the expectations. Right. Um, Netflix is blonde. <sighs> just a poor execution. Poor. I think just the sentiment behind the entire project was just vain and not really thinking of this woman and her life seriously. And finally, Halloween ends. Um, as much as I enjoyed the first one and thought maybe we would land solidly after the second one, this was just not it. Um, and a horrible way to close, <laughs> close this, this yeah. decades-long story. Um but yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I completely forgot that we saw that. But yeah, that needs to be on the list for real. That was trash. Yeah, it was very disappointing. Um yeah, so those are my worst. So let's get into your number five for top film. Okay. Number five for about number Jesus Christ, number five for top film. Um this one was an odd one I forgot, I think I watched on Amazon or something, but it's called You Won't Be Alone. And it's with Numi Rapace. And it tells this strange, um, almost fairy tale story about a young 
some girl, she was kidnapped by a witch and uh, she's put, there's a curse put on her. And it, like, that that's the basis of the movie, but the movie was so good and it, it really um, takes this fairy tale element and makes it very, very human and realistic and uh, is, is enjoyable. And I forgot how I came across this. I think I saw somebody mention it and I was like, okay. And then I saw it on Amazon Prime and checked it out. And yeah, it was, it was very good. I was kind of blown away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Prime has a lot of content. Oh yeah. You just, unfortunately, before they changed their uh, interface, whatever, you had to search for it. Right, exactly. Uh, my number five movie of the year was Hulu's Prey. This was the Terminator, not Terminator, this was the Predator prequel. Um, and it should have been in theaters. Like, yeah, absolutely. This would have been a box office juggernaut if it had gone to theaters properly. Um, but nonetheless, it was an excellent addition in the Predator franchise. Um, Amber Mindhunter stars as um, this indigenous uh, girl who wants to prove herself as a hunter. Um, and she gets her chance when the ultimate hunter comes to Earth. And uh, we were supposed to believe it's like his first time on Earth, his first interaction with humans. Yeah, you know, predators do what they do, but it was an excellent film. I could definitely see if it gets a sequel, um, just a few years later or however. But it, it was a great, great movie. Okay, uh, well, my number four is the same thing. It's it's prey, and I I agree. I think the first thing I said is it it definitely should have been in theaters. Um, all the haters, whatever they can, right. Um, burning hell i don't care it was <laughs> good it was so good and uh it, I, yeah i think it fit the whole family of films very well and it it just kind of showed how if you take a chance on different stories are there because i mean this is a when you i, I don't even know i don't know how i want to say it but to, to have you know the first people of this land and a horror film in this way is really kind of a, a huge undertaking and it comes off with you know perfectly in my mind it was very good mm -hmm. it was greatly executed and it got down to the basics of sort of like the prey the predator uh oh i'm trying to say it got down to like the basis of the predator story Right, right. Roots, because <laughs> the sequels and stuff get a little convoluted, convoluted and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, is this your number four or my number four? That was my prey was my number four, so we're on number okay. three now. Okay. Oh my! I gotta give my number four. Um, my number four was uh the Woman King. Okay. I saw this in theaters and I was really blown away. Um, we had never gotten a movie like that before, you know, starring black women, directed by a black woman. Um, excellent performances from Viola Davis and Lashana Lynch. Um, and we've never seen that sort of history told on screen at that level. So um, definitely deserve more of that in theater, in, in theaters, you know. Excuse me, and on our TVs. Right. So now number three. Okay. Uh, number three um, for me was a movie. It was on HBO Max, I want to say. And it, 
it's a, a film called Bell. And I actually think it, it came out last year, but it hit HBO Max this year. And it's an animated film uh, from Japan. And in the film, uh, a young girl who is like, a, she wants to become a singer. And uh, she does so by kind of entering, entering into like this virtual um, world type of VR type situation. She becomes huge in this other world and it becomes like this uh, battle with a beast and it's it's really really interesting but really good and like the graphics and everything the animation you'll just be kind of drawn in and um i think it did really well at sundance last year too which is maybe how i heard of it but uh yeah i checked it out and i was kind of blown away you you see these things like um animated films and i think maybe your mind is like ah well you know that's beneath me but when you see just the animation and the time put into this and the story like you'll be like whoa this is this is different it's very good okay gotcha yeah animation tells great stories and people yeah. just kind of put it aside because they think all oh, animations for kids but that's further right. from the truth. couldn't be further from the truth right uh my number three is the black phone i mm. was very surprised by this movie as someone who doesn't really do horror, I'm right. getting closer into it. I was really blown away by the concept. Um, it's adapted from a short story. And um, it really has some good performances, especially by Ethan Hawke, of course, who plays sort of like the antagonist here. Uh, but it follows a young boy in the 70s um, who lives with his alcoholic father and younger sister. And after a rash of um, kidnappings and child murders, he becomes the next victim. And it takes, eventually you see how he plans to escape, but basically um, the ghosts of the past victims sort of assist him and try to help him escape. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Right. So, and that was directed by Scott Derrickson, who was supposed to direct uh multiverse of madness but did not because of creative differences so all right okay and so now we're on number two right yes yes all right so number two for me has to go to hellraiser i was really really anticipating this film i'm a huge horror film person and so this is just another film into the hellraiser um uh, canon I guess you could say and the difference with this one is that Hellraiser even though I think they're supposed to be kind of ambiguous when it comes to like gender and stuff but this was played by Jamie Clayton and uh, she did a really good job the makeup was incredible the costumes were creepy and I think the film was able to still capture this weird combination of creepy and terrifying but also kind of like like sexy at the same time but um yeah jamie clayton was good uh i think her name was odessa i can't i don't know her last name but the main character she was good as well and then um i know his name goran viznich who always plays some type of bad guy mm -hmm. was really good and this one as well and uh yeah no it, it was good it was good yeah it was definitely creepy <laughs> yeah uh, my number two is DC's The Batman. Uh, I forgot this came out early, earlier this year. 
um, from Matt Reeves. And I think a lot of people were skeptical when they announced that Robert Pattinson would be taking over the role of Bruce Wayne's last Batman. But um, this go around, um, they sort of based it in the early years of Batman, sort of like him trying to piece together exactly what uh, this alter ego stands for as Gotham is sort of riddled in corruption and crime. And it, it was, uh, I think it was perfectly done. Uh, yes, it's a long movie, but I don't think it ever wasted any of its minutes. Um, and they were already talking about a sequel as well as a TV series spinoff. And I guess they're going to try to incorporate this Batman to the future of the DCU. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it's definitely definitely a, uh, a really good addition in sort of the superhero genre that's sort of become so big. All right, for me, number one goes to a film called Happening. And this is a French film and it's based on a novel. I think, I don't know sure when the novel initially came out, but, but it, um, it deals with a young woman who is in like her late teen years or maybe early 20s and just like any young person she's enjoying her life having fun meeting people and she winds up getting pregnant uh and so the thing is this takes place in the 1960s and at the time uh i believe abortion was still illegal in france at that time and so she had to deal with this kind of fight between you know did she want to become a mother? Did she want to do something dangerous to maybe have the abortion? How would people look at her? And the same exact problems that women are facing today, which kind of made it really even more poignant because I believe this came out here, like theater-wise, right around when Roe versus Wade went down. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's so, so good. And it was a, a big film at... Um, kind of all the festivals last year, but specifically, I think, I remember hearing about it at um, Sundance. But um, but yeah, really good film. And it's on, I mean, if you have AMC Plus, I think you can find it is where it is. But yeah, so okay. yeah, really good. Yeah, I heard a lot about this, this that movie this year. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, and like you said, it's the... Uh, story is very um important so important today right right um my number one movie for 2022 is the daniels everything everywhere all at once yes um a splendid original screenplay from the daniels that explores uh family and relationships and grief um and depression and identity and sort of generational trauma all in one of a movie that is like a fourth sci-fi, a fourth romantic comedy, a fourth family drama, and a fourth kung fu action movie. <laughs> it, it and it does everything very well, is is the big part. Um this movie finally gives just due to Michelle Yao, who has been in the business for over 30 years, but is finally getting much more recognition here in the states. Right. Um, also, her co-star uh, Key, excuse me, Key Young. Uh, let me make sure I get his name right. 
Don't mess it up. Kiyu Kwan. Yeah. Who was a child actor in the 80s, famous for his role in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and the Goonies. Um took left the industry, you know, sort of dismayed about the roles he was getting, and then comes back and lands this role and is sort of the front runner for best supporting actor this year. So a great, great film that highlights, you know, um Asian American characters, um, not just stereotypical, stereotypical characters either, um, of Asian right. descent. And it's a it's a definitely universal story that anyone and everyone can relate to. Um, so yeah, that's my number one for this year. Um, and we'll be uh excited to see how a lot of these movies and actors do once we get into award season. Um First with the Golden Globes and then SAG Awards leading up to the Oscars in March. And I forgot to add, I have one film that also I really wanted to, um, I couldn't fit it in there. It was it was so good. And I, I guess I'll put it in the underrated one. But um, Fire Island, were you, did you watch that? No, I have not. Oh, man. Yeah, no, you got to watch that. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, now, this is the film uh, by... Um, uh, Joel Kim Booster, I think I think he's just a writer. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but he he wrote this and um, it stars him. Oh God, why can't I think of his name from SNL? My eyes coming real quick. Oh, Bowen Bowen Yang, um, and a host of other people, and they go to Fire Island, the historically known kind of gay place where they kind of go and have vacations and fun and whatnot, and. Uh, just kind of tells the story of friendship and uh, differences and how you change as you get older. And what was interesting is that when I watched it, I didn't realize it at first, but the characters in it are based on Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but just they switched it up with oh, gay characters. Wow. Yeah, and I saw that and then like I kind of watched it again and I was like, okay, yeah, you can definitely see it if you read the book, but no, very good, very, very good, so. Yes, and again, another movie that could have gone to theaters, but oh, yeah. it was reduced to quote-unquote streaming. Yeah, it it would have, I tell you what, it would have done better than Bros. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so those are our top 10 for 2022. Um, when we come back, we'll get into our streams of the week. Let's start over at Netflix. Well, first, let's start with our mutual mutual watch. Yeah. Um, so we had episode five and six of his dark materials, and the shit is hitting the fan. Um, is. There's a lot going on. Yes. So episode five was No Way Out, and uh, we see Will and Lyra uh, sort of travel to the land of the dead. Um, we have uh, Father President sort of against uh, Mrs. Coulter. Mm -hmm. And then we finally kind of see what the teacher is doing. It was kind of confusing that part a bit. Yeah, yeah. It, that I'm glad you said that because when she showed up and she was talking to the damn animal, I was like, what a second, did I miss something? Like, let me right. go on. Like, <laughs> I remember she left to find them, but then I was like, where is she? And I couldn't understand if she was asleep or yes. not. 
it was just felt very not part of the show. But anywho, um, what did you think of episode five? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was, um, it was. I'm trying to think. Now this episode was more Miss Coulter. She gets she gets back to the little compound. Right. She took episodes. Yeah. Yeah. She took um Azrael's. What's he call it? The intention craft. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the magisterium. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, this episode was it was a little bit different, but it was it was still just as good. Um, this whole thing with the church is nuts. And now that well, not to doesn't matter, but Father President dies. I, I'm guessing the curly hair dude is about to step in, or like his role will become bigger or something. Or I, yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen at at that angle, but um. What was the uh, the part where the um, angel sends down like that huge beam, Metatron or whatever? That was nuts. Mm-hmm. That whole scene was incredible. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, so yeah, you had sort of Miss Coulter come back to Magisterium and try to plot mm-hmm. her escape or to prevent Lyra's death or whatever. And um, she almost did it. But of course, uh, Father Gomez and Father President sort of like interrupt her plans. Um, he's got her there to separate her demon from her that would sort of set off the bomb. And instead, the I think it was Dr. Carol's her name. Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, I What's think that? her name is Mary. Mary. I forget. Yeah. But anywho, oh no, no, my bad. You're, you're talking about the lady at the magister. I'm talking about the lady out talking to animals and shit. Yeah. Oh right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was talking about the the doctor that was helping Father President. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Marissa sort of like convinces her to stop this, and she stands up to him, and he kills her on the spot. Like I didn't know what she thought was going to happen. Yeah, she just like. <laughs> duck or something yeah turned her back just stood there but he bludgeons her to death marissa gets free and pulls the bomb out Mm -hmm. but somehow i guess is the thing's name is megatron right yeah the big angel or whatever is up there yeah metatron yeah which is crazy uh my father president risks his own life and dies to sort of get this off. And he sends that light, like you said, and it sort of goes directly to where Lyra's at um, in the land of the dead. And because before he comes through and he's like, you humans do so much to rely so heavily on dust. You know, let's see how you operate without it. Without it, yeah. And then he just like zoom and everybody kind of flips out and say, like, holy shit. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, yeah. and it you saw the ramifications immediately. Right. Um, Israel is sort of was he well, he wasn't traveling, but um the witch's um demon was sort of like surveying and right and so yeah, yeah that crack in the ground was sort of pulling it down and she dies and 
he's made another enemy. Azrael is just like a loose cannon. Like he he has a mission, but he yeah. he's kind not. Of, it's hard to root for. <laughs> yes, it's just it's just violence for violence, and it it had me starting with with uh, Coulter because she's like, you've lost it. Like you killed an angel, sir. Right, just just cause like. Yeah, he sort of sort of is on a a mission that seems to be death or liberty, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, down in the land of the dead, um, uh, Miss Miss Coulter and Azrael assume that Lyra's dead because they can't find her on the um, compass. And uh, after that crack in the ground, you know, we see how, we basically see how the land of the dead operates. And basically these are souls that were supposed to go on to their heaven or whatnot, but some reason they're stuck in this sort of purgatory. Right. And they're kept there because they can't remember their lives. Like they have no memory of, of who they were beforehand. Right. And um, basically Will and Lyra are able to tell their memories and their stories and sort of, that's one of the reasons why the, I don't know if they had names, but the like keepers or whatever, those bird creatures. Yeah, the harpies is what they called them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons why they didn't want them talking to each other because it would have jogged their memories and sort of given them purpose. Um, so Will and Lyra do this and she she finds Roger and he sort of, you know, first tells her straight up, like, you're not here for me, you're here for you. Right, yeah. Which was not a lie. Like she was definitely there because she felt guilty. Um for what happened and not realizing that there's nothing she could do like he was dead but um after talking he sort of comes around and it was amazing just seeing that that whole thing um occur like sort of like these people get the light you know sort of like back in their faces and them remembering their names and stuff like that it was very very heartwarming yeah and the uh and then, you know, well, with, with this story, we've already kind of moved into episode six, but then, you know, Will finds his father, which is kind of like, oh, wow. And, yeah. And he just happened to be exactly where they need to be. Right. Him to use the knife. And, you know, he kind of tells him, no, you're you're on the right path and yeah, and everything. It was very uh, touching. Um, meanwhile, Azrael really is sort of like, as we said, sort of, just aimlessly, I don't know, on the warpath. Um, he has to convince the witches to not kill him after uh one of their own death and everything. And they finally figure out that Lyra is alive and Coulter's like she's doing exactly what the prophecy says she would do. She's right. overcoming death and she's coming for um the magisterium. Like she's She's championing exactly what what has been foretold. So, right. and I like the moment between uh, Coulter and the witch. Uh, you know, like Coulter said, she's she's going through it as well. I think mm -hmm. she just she's feeling extremely guilty, and so she's trying to 
aggravate this witch into doing anything to her to hurt her and it doesn't work and then it turns out that they have more in common than what um you know they think so exactly she realizes that um they they both sort of have sacrificed a lot mm-hmm. um and you know miss culture she's she is coming like having like a quote unquote come to Jesus moment because she was sort of this vile individual um, seeking power, but she thought it was for a good cause. Um, but yeah, it, it that was a very good scene because you we've never seen her this vulnerable before. Right. Yeah, she's kind of hanging on by a thread. She's she's losing losing herself, but it seems to be taking her to a better place. Right. And she realizes that, like, she didn't know how to love. Even her demon, like, he was like, I'm not fucking with you, sis. Right. I'm sorry. That scene had me, I was about to laugh. Like, she really went in and apologized to this damn animal. And just the way it was set up, he was turned looking at something else. She was sitting in a different direction. Like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> but it's true. Like, she did not love her demon. She treated no, her demon no. as an appendage of herself basically for her bidding. Um, And that moment where I guess she was, he, she was looking for him to follow. He was like, girl, no, I've had enough. (laughs) Um, So yeah. And it it was good to see her and Azrael sort of finally come to terms as parents realizing that, you know, this is beyond them what Lyra has to do. Right. So, yeah, very good two episodes, and I don't know what to expect in these final two. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to bang, though. I think, um, I feel like we're not going to get the all out war that we're expecting. Like, maybe that will, if there's a third season, that's definitely where it will be. But, um, yeah, these, I can't wait to see just the dynamic between Azrael culture and Lyra all in the same place that should be <laughs> hectic right right I don't think they've all been together at once like yeah that. I, I don't think so either and yeah you're I think you're right about Father Gomez he's he's going to ascend as you know the the tyrant in yeah. Father President's vacancy and I he'll probably be more cruel than yeah. uh, he was because he he was basically like culture said a fraud like he was just propping himself up as a sort of like this leader when in fact he, he was a total fraud. So yeah, episodes seven and eight would have premiered on the 26th of December um, on HBO Max, HBO. All right, so again to our separate streams here. Over at Netflix, um, I started the second season of Firefly Lane. Um, if you enjoy like CW melodramas, we ride your alley. It's <laughs> it's um very. I think it's based on a book. Oh, um, okay. But it's very like a a tinge of this is us as it goes back in the past and the future. Um, but it stars Catherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk as best friends who've been through everything together, um, highs and lows in their professional and personal lives. Um, and it's set, I think the present time 
is 2010. Like that's as far as it goes, but it looks at their childhood and then their young adulthood. Um, it's it's very watching watch in the background while you do something else type of show. But it's enjoyable. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and then I watched two movies. I think I'm going to try to watch movies on the weekend to sort of get that count up. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the first one I watched was uh, Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel, uh, mm. starring uh, Daniel Craig and a bunch of other people. Um, while I don't think it was as great as the first one, it was still very much enjoyable, a lot of fun. Um, basically a group of friends are invited to their billionaire friend's uh, mansion uh, to reunite and a murder occurs and Craig's uh, character Beignet Blanc um, just happens to be there and he solves to solve the case. Um, but it was good. It's really funny. And Janelle Monet is the standout here next to Craig. Like she she does her damn thing. Um, so definitely tune in. If just for her, it's, it's enough. <laughs> and then today I watched Matilda the Musical. And I was blown away at how good this was. I, I forgot all about it. What is it on? It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So this is the adaptation of the musical based on the book. Um and I don't know what the lead name is, but um, there was a bunch of hype leading up to it because there were certain clips they had dropped on Twitter and stuff like that. But it's really good. You have Alicia Weir playing Matilda, Lashana Lynch playing Miss Honey, and Emma Thompson playing Miss Trunchbull. Wow. And I mean, we all know the story um, with a little twist here and there since it's based on the the musical and I think this is more based on the book um but it was really good the songs are great um the acting's great it's a lot of fun it's about was this about two hours in length but but it's really fun um and I never realized how dark this story is like yeah I think because you get mixed up in like the not that it's fun but just kind of the rebellious part but yeah you don't realize what's happening to her. it's like oh wait hold on a second right right it's it's and that rebellion and stuff is still there especially with the children but it is a very dour story <laughs> so yeah those are all on netflix um definitely catch those when you can it, they're really good then jumping over to hulu um i started kindred and I don't know if I talked about this. Did I talk about this before? Uh, Kendrick, yeah, I think you spoke about it last week. Okay, I'm still yeah. watching it. Um, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I've read the book. I think in high school, so I can't remember all of it. You know, there's some different big changes in the series compared to the book. Um, but it is interesting. Um, they are focusing, or they are opting to focus on some of the other characters um mainly the white ones in the in the series which sort of kind of takes you out sometimes um but the performances are really good especially by the lead 
I think I'm halfway through. I think it's eight episodes in this season. Um, but where it left off was really interesting. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, and basically it's about a young woman who realizes some reason she's being pulled back in the time to, to 1815 on a plantation and her connection to uh, this little boy, white boy named Rufus and why she gets pulled back to help him every time. And then I said I was going to start the show Casino on Disney Plus. Well, I think it's called that maybe in Korea <laughs> uh, since it's a Korean show. Um, but I finally found it on Hulu and it's called The Big Bet. Uh, it's a limited series about a um, mobster, I believe, that owns a casino and he's arrested for murder. And the series basically sort of backtracks sort of like how he got to this position because I believe he's accused of killing um, his business partner. Oh, wow. um, I think it's just six episodes. Um, you can uh, you can often watch it either in English dub or in the original Korean with subtitles. So I think the first three episodes dropped last week. So yes, where I watched there. What did you get into last week? I watched a lot of kind of old timey um, <laughs> Christmas movies. Just I got I, okay. So Freeform was showing Christmas stuff, but they showed Home Alone. I swear to you, every day, like three times. Like this is dumb. I'm tired of it. And yeah. so I um I went to the tried and trusted um, TCM, and they're mostly movies I'd seen, but um, Miracle on 34th Street. That was actually one from the 90s with um. Attenborough and I cannot think of her name is Sammy right there in the face. Um, oh Jesus. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I watched that and um that you know that was good, really good Christmas movie. Um The Preacher's Wife was on as well. Um and then Shop Around the Corner with James Stewart, a, a old time movie. And I don't know, I just kind of got into those. I was really wasn't trying to start any shows over the holiday or anything like that and I just wait until the new year to to do anything like that so okay I only watched a Christmas story as far as like Christmas fair yeah. and they didn't start showing that till nine o'clock yesterday yeah I was like what is this but yeah it, it's just different um so were you listening as your top uh streams for the past week i think i'm gonna hate watch this but hbo has this new show called sex diaries and i don't know what it's trying to do but i, I guess it just kind of follows people i think who are like in their 20s and 30s and it's in new york and it kind of follows um as they deal with their own you know sexual orientation and their identity and everything like that and um and I don't know. It's it's kind of giving me uh, what was it called? Real sex? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's kind of giving me that, but not as um. I can't think of the word. Maybe not as 
deep as that. That was like 90s HBO where they just went all out. This doesn't seem so much like that. So I'll see what it's about. And I think it's only like a couple episodes. So Yeah, I remember seeing that trailer and thought immediately I thought of like real sex, but it seems right. more not as salacious, but maybe getting to like more of the heart of these kind of right, yeah. relationships or things like that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna again try to start the old man on Hulu. <laughs> um, I just didn't get to it this week, but yeah, that's what I'm planning to watch. So mm-hmm. we want to thank you for listening to another edition of Instrumental Life Podcasts. And you will hear from us again within the new year. So until then, keep on streaming. Peace. <laughs>